It's the question that drives us. What is the podcast matrix? Get your entire podcast library hosted at the podcast matrix. What is the podcast matrix.com? When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. For those of us who have acted on a stage anywhere on planet Earth, well, stagecraft can go a variety of ways, and, well, not all of them are good. Inside this episode's story, it's Halloween! There's a party being had inside the Curious Goods Antique Store, and literally, all hell's breaking loose. Will our triad of intrepid heroes conquer the mysterious guests? And be around to witness the next sunrise? We'll find out inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 5, Halloween. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Some quick housekeeping. The Podcaster Matrix. Those of you who have your own podcast or, frankly, are looking to start one, I have to push you over to the Podcaster Matrix, which will get you not only great hosting like this program has for your podcasts, but also a variety of other services that I just don't know what we would do without, frankly. Well, one of the biggest hurdles, I would have to say, for any uh, podcaster, whether professional or or amateur podcaster, Mm -hmm. is space. Yes. You know, for your actual show. Physical space. Phys- the actual the physical space right. to host the programs. Right. right. Especially if you have a lot of a lot episodes. Of them. Yes. Because most of the services that are out there, which are great, but it's all about space. Right. And even they do not offer all the space that you could possibly want if you have, oh, 80, 90, 100 episodes mm-hmm. of a podcast. Yeah. 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 Podcaster Matrix, we're going to leave a link to it inside the show notes, but you can go check it out right now over at podcastermatrix.com. Tell them the Curious Goods Podcast sent you. The Editor Core. Yet another service that we found via Podcaster Matrix that I know we could not do anything efficiently without because I know I don't want to sit in front of an editing stack for a podcast, even like ours that's short, for a couple of hours. I just don't have time. We don't have the time to edit all of this and create the content. Right, right. That's the that's that's really the rub. If there was more time, if there were more hours in the day, sure, maybe. But then we'd probably want to shoot ourselves in the head because there we are. We're sitting in front of the computer editing all the time. 
and then we have to come up with these great, all this great witty banter and bullet points to talk about uh, on Friday the 13th? No! No! It'd drive you crazy! Look, any of you that are listening, you know the hell of sitting in front, uh-huh, <laughs> the hell of sitting in front of an editing stack. We don't like to do it, and neither do you. If you're ready to dish that off to someone else, a trusted group of professionals, go check out the Editor Core over at EditorCore.com. Again, there's a link inside the show notes. And once again, tell them the Curious Goods podcast sent you. Nick, I've got my inappropriately lifted haircut and eyeliner on. How about you? I'm ready to do sleight of hand magic out of ladies' breasts. With a, with a, with a purple hat on, I hope. It's time to review this episode, Season 1, Episode 5. Halloween of Friday the 13th, the series. Everyone knows the value of Halloween, the time to party, the time to go get trick or treats, the time to go have a party. Candy, 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 candy. Inside of an old antique store on historic Main Street of whatevertown.com. Ah. And so here we are. Our intrepid triad is now having a party inside the Curious Goods shop to drum up business, hoping that no one will pass the incredibly thin rope that says, don't go in here downstairs in front of the vault. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, there is a sign. And at least in this case, they read the sign and ignore it instead of just not reading the sign at all. But we have two guests who wander downstairs to the vault, and even though they don't mess with the vault, luckily, they still play around with something sitting outside of the vault. Evidently, Jack has left a crystal ball just laying out by the vault. One that glows all on its own without Glows, yes, yes. It's amazing. And emits a lot of uh, precipitation. There's lots of fog and mist that that pours out of it. (laughs) And these two yahoos playing around open a channel to the... Well, they're trying to to reach Elvis, because why not? Right. But they don't. Well, of course. I would call Elvis, wouldn't you? Of course I would. I mean, why wouldn't you want to call Elvis? That banana sandwich, I'm good. Yes, but Elvis does not answer. But somebody does answer and causes all kinds of havoc inside the shop, causing part of the ceiling to start falling in and collapsing. Uh, horrible wind blowing through the shop, and it just scares everybody out. <laughs> Except for, of course, Mickey, Ryan, and Jack. Jack. Jack's got his purple construction hat on, so he doesn't care. It's not a purple construction hat. He's a wizard, man. <laughs> Jack Marshak is dressed up like a wizard. He's doing sleight-of-hand magic, pulling plums out of women's breasts. It's awesome. But the party is canceled now thanks to the, the the evil that has been called forth because of the crystal ball. So the building stops shaking. Everything looks to be okay, but Jack, he hears a whimper outside. And so after making sure that his hat is still in good repair and condition, he goes out front and what does he find? He finds this little girl in a white dress and she's crying because she's lost the group of people that she was out trick-or-treating with. Well, that would be horrible. It's terrible. A little girl lost all alone in the big city of wherever. Yeah. Uh, Jack, being the noble guy that he is, decides, okay. Oh, dude, with a purple wizard outfit. I'm going to to help the little girl. Okay, so where do you live? Well, I just live down the street that way. Okay. Let's go in the other direction. (laughs) Let's go. I'll, I'll walk you home. All right, let's go. And and Jack does a good deed, mm-hmm. 
And while Jack's doing for a good... For about 35 minutes. Well, and uh, yeah, that's the rub. And while Jack's doing a good deed, somebody visits Ryan and Mickey inside the shop. Anyway, they go downstairs to throw the lights and stuff back on, make sure there's no fire or anything. And as they do so, they see an eerie hand appear out of nowhere in the center of the room. <gasps> it's Uncle Lewis. He's been resurrected by the mysterious orb and Jack's purple construction helmet. And the strange thing about it is, is that Uncle Lewis is pleading to Mickey and Ryan for help because he wants to undo all the evil that he's responsible for, including the murder of his wife. So, you know, there's new information for you. Mm -hmm. he, he even opens up a secret room. An entire another wing. There's a, yeah, there's the an store. entire, it's a whole nother room <laughs> with a fireplace and a dead well-preserved female <laughs> in bed. Supposedly, Uncle Lewis's dead wife. And evidently, he didn't murder her, but she died because she tried to stop his evil ambition while all these cursed objects were going on. Uncle Lewis explains, if you could just bring me the amulet of Zohar out of the vault, I can release her soul and she can be free and then hopefully I can start repenting Making for... Making amends for yeah. all my bad deeds. Correct. Yes. Except it doesn't quite go that way. What, da, happens, da, da. what happens is after receiving the amulet of Zohar, he Zohars Ryan and Mickey out of, <laughs> yes. out of almost existence. And he suddenly becomes full-figured and now back inside Corporeal. this realm. Yes. At the same time, after traveling about 1,800 miles on foot to get her home, <laughs> Jack and the sweet little girl in the white dress, they get to a portion of an alley. And, well, she says that she lives right down the alley. And, of course, Jack goes to check it out to make sure everything's going to be okay. Because that's the kind of man Jack is. That's right. Jack gets about five steps into the alleyway and, shing, down comes a giant cage out of nowhere <laughs> to trap Jack inside of the alleyway. Uh-huh. As he looks back to see what's happened to the little girl, the cute girl in white has suddenly become a devilish little person. Yes, and evidently, not just a little person, but a demon in the service of Louis Vanderdee. She scurries on back to the shop to get the car ready for Louis because Louis needs to find a body. Before daylight. Before the sun rises, mm -hmm. he has to find a body. Luckily enough, Ryan and Mickey figure a way out of the locked secret room they, mm -hmm. they were in. Mm -hmm. And thanks to the ledger, they find a little bit of information about the amulet that gives them an idea what Lewis's plan is. Right. And the whole concept is if Lewis can find a body that has died of a nonviolent death and performs a ritual on it before the sun rises, he may live again thinking logically because that's what you do in these horror situations especially inside of a creeped out curious goods antique shop yes you would think well you would want to go to the closest mortuary first to find a body so while mickey and ryan are trying to track down uncle lewis jack who is still trapped in the the, the cage in the alleyway mm -hmm. is visited by two grown drunk trick-or-treaters dressed as uh, zombie truckers. 
And at, they, at least one of them was a trucker-wina. Yeah, what, yeah, because we're wearing a ballerina too, too. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really plan their costumes out. Let's no, just say that. It was time to drink. Clearly. And all they can think of doing is poking fun at the old guy who's locked in a cage. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Jack, using his wits, uh, starts taunting them back, trying to get them to, you know, attack him. But, of course, he's behind the cage. So they have to get him out before they can beat him up. Mm-hmm. So Truck Arena number two decides to grab this incredibly stout chain that he has inside of his truck. That's a very professional-looking chain, incredibly too. Looking, incredibly professional and incredibly strong chain. I can't believe it. It's amazing. Anyway, he wraps, he wraps that around two of the bars of the cage and then around a, a corner of the clasp of the roll bar of this truck and guns the engine, thereby somehow twisting the bar just enough so that Jack can escape. Can slide his way out. And then, of course, he gets away from the two drunk idiots by using a little bit more of his prestidigitation. Because he's <laughs> free as a bird, but not a turkey. Poof! Uses the magic smoke, just like Batman. And I thought it was Batman. He's gone. I thought He's it was Jackman. Jackman. So we find that the demonic Uncle Lewis and the demented little person. Minion. Minion, there you go, thank you. Have arrived at the nearest mortuary, mm-hmm. which looks suspiciously like a converted dentist's office into a haunted house. It's amazing. Yeah. What stagecraft? And they keep on going through all the bodies that they find in this unrefrigerated. Morgue double, double type store? thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all of these bodies have died of violent death. So of course, you know, Every Lewis can't one. Lewis can't use any of these. Mm-hmm. So they decide to go out back. And fortunately for Uncle Lewis and his demon minion, a hearse has pulled up with a fresh body, a fresh that, body that just so happens to have died in his sleep. Mm. Dun, dun dun dun. So they dun, steal dun. the body from the guy in the hearse by tossing a very large box. On, on this poor gentleman. So they take the body inside and prepare it for the ritual. Meanwhile, Jack has returned to the shop and sees a note that Mickey has left explaining what's going on. Jack grabs his bag of tricks and hauls ass towards the nearest mortuary. Right. Mickey and Ryan arrive at the mortuary, of course, before Jack and try to stop Uncle Lewis, but mm-hmm. the demon minion... Puts the whammy on the cousins and lots of whammies, Mm -hmm. and then puts them in very plain pine wood caskets. And I understand why they're very plain in pine wood and and not very ornate, is because they're used for cremation. That other part of a haunted house, one of the two. One of the two. I'll take the benefit of benefit of the doubt for cremation. Thank you. Okay. All right. Then Jack. Of course, always shows up in the nick of time and is able to get Mickey and Ryan out of the boxes before they burn, Mm -hmm. and they devise a plan. And it's a brilliant plan, really. Hey, you two, distract the demon imp while I take care of Lewis. Imp, that's a good word. I know. I like that one. You can use that for for some vocabulary later. I will use that, sure. While Mickey and Ryan are running through the mortuary slash faux haunted house, playing jump the body with with the it's evil an demon course really and yeah very much it's it was kind of course. kind of kind of like an obstacle course mm-hmm. jack confronts lewis 
So inside the chamber that's been wonderfully erect and is easily part the best part of the episode, there is on one side Jack providing the Van Halen devil horns. On the other side is Uncle Lewis starkly providing the amulet of Zohar as his center of attention uh, in front of this dead body that also looks like either an intern or perhaps a producer of the show. And on the ground is this really well-crafted pentagram. I mean, it's it's easily the best piece of the show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're both just going at each other with all kinds of twisted sayings and I shalls and you shalls. Lewis is trying to else. do his his spell while Jack is talking over him, doing a yeah. counter spell, right. trying to do distract Lewis. Yeah, right, which he does. And of course, we all know, at least those of us watching the episode, we know that the clock is literally ticking because the sun comes up now. With the defeat of the demon minion and now the sun erasing Lewis mm-hmm. from existence. Really, really cool effect. Mm-hmm. Jack, Mickey, and Ryan return to the shop, placing the amulet back into the vault. Meaning the item has been recovered. Douchebag radio guy slash Wolfman Jack wannabe. As professional podcasters, I will always take a moment to rail on douchebag radio people mm, <laughs> because yes. there's still far too many. What, as, yeah. As much as I like working with people that have been in radio and then had their throat slit, there are way still too many, way too many people that are douchebag radio people, and this one starts with that. As a, as a piece of really inserted exposition. That, that, that really doesn't feel like we needed it. No. It doesn't, it, it, it's basically, hey, I'm going to tell you all about Halloween. Yeah. And there's kids out because it's Halloween. Yeah. But we already, we know can, it's Halloween because people are in like costumes and they're party. having a Halloween party. <laughs> so it kind of seemed a little bit redundant. And then, of course, the guy is using the douche nozzle voice. Yeah. But he's trying to do it all Wolfman Jack style, but not doing it Wolfman Jack style. Right. I mean, if you're yeah. going to if you're going to parody Wolfman Jack, do it. Do it. Yes. Don't 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 half ass it. Whole ass it. Yeah. Having a party at the site where devilishly enchanted objects live. Obviously, this is not a smart idea, but it's perfect for storytelling. It's great for the storytelling. I love that they focus on the fact that they want people inside the shop because, guys, stuff's got to get sold to make money. Yeah, they have to sell the non-cursed objects (laughs) so they can keep the lights on and keep the cursed objects protected. Right. Uh, Also, the shop has a had a bad reputation beforehand. I mean, Lewis really wasn't a a nice guy he wasn't friendly right no so anybody in the neighborhood who would go in there he wasn't very helpful to them right i think so, they also they did a really good job of making sure that it, it sounded like people knew that there were new owners mm. and so they came they came to see what's going on and what's changed right and yeah. i like that that it, is a, that's good yes it's a great piece of storytelling that they used to propel the entire episode frankly well yeah because but, it allows you to have the idiots who decide to ignore the sign that says don't go any further and and mess with something that starts the entire plot of the show. Right. The other thing that it offers up, and it is wonderful because we don't talk about it nearly enough inside of this podcast, 
is the striking visage of Roby yes. inside of this episode. I don't know exactly what she was trying to go care. as, but she, her hair was her hair was beautifully 80s coiffed. Yes. And she's got the, she, she, the dark, not-so-Elvira makeup going on, and she's wearing a corset, and she was just absolutely it, stunning. It's sexy Bride of Frankenstein, but she's not a Bride of Frankenstein. Right. She's just a sexy 20-year-old something in kind of Halloween outfit, and I give A plus <laughs> for that outfit. I mean, just uber hot. And you've got Jack dressed as a wizard, doing pervert. sleight of hand magic yes purple a purple wizard purple pervert he's he's in a purple wizard suit and he's with doing, a pointy hat and with a pointy and hat and it's the stubby pointy hat too and that's why it's a construction hat see you don't get it you don't get it too how does a pointy hat be a construction hat he has to have hat. the construction hat so that the, when the stuff falls out of the ceiling he's not murdered but a construction hat is it's domed you don't know that i I own a construction hat, thank you very much. So, it, yes, I is, do. Is it purple on top of your no, wizard outfit? No, it's not purple and up. it's not pointy. Then shut up. You don't know. But he's doing sleight of hand magic, which slightly inappropriate <laughs> sleight of hand magic <laughs> with two very busty female guests. Yes. It is, and it's good magic. It, it is great magic. It's great magic, as are the breasts. Very well done. Practical effects. Behold. Now, typically, Nick and I are on top and propping many of the practical effects things that happen inside of this show. Mm -hmm. We are five episodes into the very first season of this program. And inside of this episode, the quality was not bolstering inside this episode. Let's let's be plain. One could call it pedestrian. One could also say pretty pretty lame. I would say that every effect inside of this episode, including what were the special quote wipe effects, blah, all of that, they were all very haunted house esque. All of them. Yeah. Well, whether you know what the, the thing is stuff. Whether it's the cold, the uh, yeah. uh, the uh, the dry ice effects, mm -hmm. the we're gonna dress people up as dead people. It, it was all something you could go and see right inside of any haunted house. Well, and that's the sad thing. It would be have to be a really lame haunted house because mm -hmm. most haunted houses, even back then, were a little bit more uh, not extreme, they were but they, but they, well, were, they were terrible back then. The eighties were terrible. It was all bad in the eighties. All rubber mask esque. Eh. It was half the kids didn't care what they were doing. They were just being paid to appear. I I, I didn't have a, in the eighties. I did not have a positive haunted house experience. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I really am sorry. I to am hear too. That. I am too. Maybe we should go to a haunted house now and see how it is, how how things have changed. Maybe we can we, we can should, make it better. We should, but is it more than blood and guts? Show. Let's go to the one that isn't all blood and guts, and I'm there. How about that? Oh, oh wait, there aren't any. there aren't any. Oh, what's what what's the point? How about we go to a real haunted house? I'd rather do that. Okay, well then, then fine. <laughs> our, but, our our social proclivities aside, <laughs> the bottom line is that the, the practical effects in this episode were just not up to par, especially after what we've seen already inside of only four episodes of yeah. the show. And so I'm, I'm really happy that they either pushed this, this episode back because it felt like Roby at the beginning wasn't quite exactly Mickey yet. Mm. So I'm, I'm hoping what we got here was, uh, what if we started with a, a Halloween party? Yeah! Yeah! Oh, and then Uncle Lewis comes back! Yeah! So I'm really glad that this got pushed back. I would like to have even seen just be either pushed back further or have some quality thrown at it as well. Revisiting 
Uncle Lewis. This I like. This was great. This is, uh, and again, I I have to admit to everybody, we might be as far in as I watched. Really? Because you and I talked about this, I think, in episode two, where I go, I said something to the effect of, you know, it's too bad they didn't bring him back or something. We were talking about Uncle Lewis. Well, we were talking about it in the 101. Yeah. Yeah, how, how you don't remember Uncle Lewis coming back right. past the first episode. Yeah. Right. And then you screwed the pooch and mentioned it to me and everybody, though you excised it from the edit, which is good, uh, about how he does come back. And I didn't remember him coming back. And so I like that he he came back here. I even love better that he comes back as, oh, would you please help me? I need you to help me with my curse and help me with my what? It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm dandy on this. Right, it's all great. Considering the fact that in the first episode, what little we saw of him, it seemed like he was trying. Well, I mean, he was. He was He was regretting the fact that he had made the deal with the devil, and he was putting all the cursed objects in, in the vault, mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to be having any of this anymore, and that's why he got drugged to hell. Mm-hmm. So now it seems like spending some time in hell has changed his tune, and now he's going back to his evil ways because I want to live again. Yeah. And I'm totally understandable. From what I've heard of hell, not a nice place. <laughs> anyway, it was it was good. And, of course, we love that actor. Yes. That actor's got so much mojo in everything that he does, regardless of whether it's Friday the 13th, the series or not. He's got a lot of uh, on-screen panache, and I appreciate him. The Devilish Little People. One of the things I wanted to note for this episode is that they showcase a little person, which back then everyone would look at and point at and say, look, it's a midget. Well, yes, yes. Midget, dwarf, stuff like that, yes. Derogatory terms. Right. And we have come a very long way inside of especially premium television for the focus and the showcasing of what are now little people. Mm-hmm. If it's not the at least two or three different television series that have appeared now on premium networks over cable, uh, then it is the visage of Peter Dinklage inside of the Game of Thrones series yeah. that has taken little people to literally a different level. I uh, remember and- actually seeing Peter Dinklage before he made it as, as a big-time uh, name. I remember seeing him as a uh, reoccurring character very shortly. I mean, like four or five episodes on a uh, a series on FX called Nip Tuck. Mm. It was a performance. Mm-hmm. Instead of stuff that we would see back in the 80s, like Time Bandits and some of the shows. that the, There was a television show called The Wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, who actually starred uh, one of the one of the stars of of Time Bandits? Actually, uh, it, it it seemed like back then, little people were a gimmick. If you wanted a fairy or a troll or in this case a demon, if you wanted something small of stature, you slap some makeup on them or you put them in a funny costume, and there you go. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so glad that we have come so far mm-hmm. to where now that. We we take them seriously because they're not they're not for they're not jokes. Well, there's a I, the other piece I think we have to look at is especially right after the third Star Wars film, the third original Star Wars film. After the third Star Wars film, Warwick Davis has always been on the forefront of showcasing little people. Mm-hmm. And, well, he's and, also a leading man too. I yeah. mean, think about it. He was in Ron Howard's Willow, mm-hmm. and he was, and even though it may be a, a 
astigmatism uh, in some people's eyes, but he was the leprechaun right. in the majority of the leprechaun franchise. Right. You know, however cheesy those films were, yeah. he was still a leading man yeah. in the, those films. The bottom line is that it's great to look back at a paradigm that, while still has its barbed wires every now and then, just like everything that is in regard to someone that is not, quote, normal. Right. Uh, it really has come a long way and stretched into an incredibly powerful tapestry for actors to jump in and succeed. A mention of stagecraft. When I began this episode, I typically write the intros for the episodes after we're done watching them. Right. And inside this episode, I think what struck me the most, while these are all, all of these things are filmed inside of something that is either a set, we get that, mm -hmm. or an actual physical location that may or may not have been on a physical set someplace, the bottom line is that this episode screams stagecraft, which I don't like. Because when I'm when I'm lost in a, inside of storytelling, especially on either television or inside of feature films, I don't ever want to be reminded that you're by the watching way, you're a watching TV show or a movie, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's there's got to be a screaming of it every fifty seconds, every minute and a half or so inside of this episode. Definitely and, after they leave the uh, the shop. Yeah, definitely because I mean the shop is always. Looks great. I mean, I feel like I'm always, anytime we're ever in the, the shop, I feel like I'm in an antique store. Yeah, it does. And again, total kudos. We don't have to give them kudos, though, on something that they've been working and focusing on for at least three years to make sure it looks right. Right, right, right. So great job on that. It's very much like looking at any, you know, pick your television show flavor and you go back to the home office of wherever they always appear. Well, it's always going to look awesome. Right. That's awesome. The rest of it, though. It all felt really cobbled together and, hey, what if we, and I don't want that. I don't want that inside of a television show, much less something that we're going to be reviewing for a long time. Mm. And you see a lot of that inside of this episode. I think the most egregious piece is that while I can't confirm that that was not a mortuary, I can confirm that that was not an existing in-work mortuary. Right. Because it was not a mortuary. No. What, what, what I guessed at... Nick had mentioned that he had seen a bloody handprint on the wall, and I didn't. And I said, what? And so we, we went back and we rewound it. And sure as hell, taller than either of us, on on the wall is this giant bloody, quote-unquote, handprint on the wall. Okay, well, one of the things you will never see at an active mortuary... Just a bloody, yeah, yeah, just a, you're not going to see a random <laughs> bloody handprint. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of strange. And then they started showing more of the place. And I'm like, the reason we see a bloody handprint on the wall is because they didn't want to paint over it because dot, 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 it's a haunted house. This is the portion of a haunted house being used someplace or a, you know, super base end set platform for something. Right, right. And that. That those are the things that poke at me during storytelling inside of especially a television series. It was very hard for me to get off of that. Well, especially when we've had episodes, and again, this is just the fifth episode. But let us not go, let us not forget we go to episode two, the poison pen. They were in a monastery. Yeah, and then that's so what, that's what I'm boom. talking about. The bar is maybe raised so high, yeah. that the rest of the expectations for the series are kind of drowned out and completely unable to to reach that pinnacle. I mean, I get it, mm. um, but inside of this episode, it just kept ripping me out of what we were seeing. Uh, the the pieces, parts I can think of most that were the most ripping were those 
kind of looks like double doors inside of the inside of the morgue. Right. Except that the light is coming from at least another four and a half feet above when yeah. they open up the bottom door. I, I'm not looking for them to build a morgue, but I am looking for them to do something that provides me with something, uh, a semblance of what we need to be feeling during the episode. And I don't know if the production designer just couldn't really pull anything off, and so they use this, they use this location slash haunted house, whatever, yeah. or something. But it, it it kept ripping me out of what was going on inside of the storytelling. As a writer slash filmmaker myself, I've always, and me and my my writing partner, have always had this this problem. It's like, okay, we write the story. We write the story without thinking about a budget, yes, especially, yeah. Because yeah. if you if you think about the budget, yeah. then you're not going to set this in a castle. Yeah, okay. I well, yeah, it. I yeah. am going to set it in a castle, right? And we'll figure out how to make it look like a castle when we get there, right? Now, once you get to that point of actually making the film, whether it be a short film or a feature film, yeah. and depending on how much money you have budget wise or if any, then that's when you start have to getting creative, and if you have to go so far as changing the story to fit a location that you can get then so be it now sometimes and i know for a fact there's some writers that that feel that that's just cheating you're you're taking away from the original story that you wrote yeah but when you're transferring it to a different medium if you're taking a script and turning it into a tv show or a movie or a short film well, sacrifices sometimes have to be made, or you can't make it. Now, do you? Would you rather just have that story just sitting on a shelf somewhere and nobody gets to experience it, or would you rather have a version of that story out there some somewhere? And maybe it's just a little bit different. I kind of feel like they were so dead set that the script says we're in a mortuary and we're pulling bodies out of the 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 cool morgue areas that. It got away from them, that they actually had to create something that kind of sort of looked like that. Unless that's how mortuaries look in Canada. I don't know. If that if somebody out there, if somebody knows mortuaries in Canada in the 80s, if they looked like that, please reach out to us at our website at thecuriousgoodspodcast.com and let us know. Because I don't want to upset any Canadian morticians by saying things look bad if, in fact, that's how it really looked in the 80s in Canada. Dueling Sorcerers. Man, the one piece of stagecraft that was absolutely gold inside of this episode was when, and I mean, it's way too short. It's, it's my discussion as of right now inside of this bullet point will actually be longer than the scene that they showed inside of the whole episode that really is criminal because I would have loved to have way more of that than what we saw. Uh, less of the chasing devil imp and way more of the throwing back and forth, just trying to waste time. Jack and Uncle Lewis, I think, would have been much, much better looked at. Anyway, inside of the scene, it's wonderful because you've got Jack still in his purple visage with, with the Van Halen horns providing the chaotic awesome spells that are flying out of his mouth along with the devil horns and then on the other side you've got uncle lewis with the amulet providing his cadence to try and take over the body before the sun comes up yes right Right, yeah somewhere inside of the writing inside of the scripts inside of the inside of the screenplay for this episode there is some awesome writing 
that those two read and then said, okay, this is what we're going to do. They even had kind of a spinning accidental camera inside of that scene. It was very, very well done, and I loved every single piece of that. And the episode as a whole, with getting rid of Jack for the majority of the episode, getting him out of the way, it's great storytelling. The execution of it was a little... On several fronts. Uh, it was a little off. I agree with that. I think another piece that we can bring up inside of this, because it's, it's, it, it's, it's significantly beforehand, but it has to do with Jack, is when the gates, the, the bars of the jail yeah. fall some tiny little additions of sound would have helped that impossibility happen. Right. Look, we're all sitting here in, in chairs in a reasonably comfortable environment. And if just suddenly, out of nowhere, out of the ceiling, get giant, powerful prison gates were going to fall, what would the sound sound like? Not like what we saw inside yeah. of this. And yeah. that's what I'm talking about, is that stagecraft, especially inside of something like a television show or a feature film, it's all what you paint of it mm -hmm. and it's not just what you show on camera it's the whole effect and that's where i wish there would have been either some more quality control or a couple of other perspectives this episode could have been bounced here to try and get something different because this scene with the dueling sorcerers this is what i wanted more of inside of this episode and this is probably where they spent the majority of their budget mm -hmm. to make it look good for the ending of the episode yeah Ah, speaking of dueling sorcerers, it's time to have something else combat us for our time during this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, a review of Season 1, Episode 5, Halloween. We'll be right back. When it comes to security and law enforcement procedures, there's no such thing as too much information. Come get your free helping of free field training from Officer Tommy Model at freefieldtraining.com. That's freefieldtraining.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com
Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series, this time Season 1, Episode 5, Halloween. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to acknowledge our Curious Goods. A Curious Good is where Nick and I find something inside the episode, whether it's an actor's portrayal, the sound effects that are used, or something else inside the episode that tripped our collective review evening fantastique. Nick, what have you got? My Curious Good for this episode is wrapped up in a beautiful purple cloak. It is the majesty of the wizard Jack Marshak. Specifically, there was a the, the point in the episode when he escapes with the help of the zombie trucker ballerinas, uh, the, the, the cage that the evil demon imp put him in, to get away from them. He, he pronounces, free as a bird, but not a turkey, and tosses some poofing smoke at them and, you know, disappears into the, into the smoke. I, I love that. It was so out of nowhere. It's like like you're not expecting a one-liner like that to happen. It's it's free spirit writing. Yes. I really enjoy that. And I, the I fact really that the actor that. then embraces the ridiculousness of it, and I had to laugh because yeah, it, it was that enjoyable. It was it was great. It's where you can step outside what's supposed to be a, you know, a striking character portrayal and go, and that's what Jack Marshak would do. Yeah. No, I'm, I, you and I are on the same page with that. I, I, th- I think what I find from that is what I find from television shows that very often get canceled. Mm. Um, one of the ones I can think of is The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh. It's a very quirky show. It is. Like, but a I, great show. Yeah. And it's because the characters are so well developed. Yep. And there are, there's at least two or three moments just like this with the free as a bird, but, but not, not a, a turkey, turkey moments inside of all of those episodes. Oh, yeah. And it, again, it's that, that, that free spirit of writing inside of an episode that does not have to fall into some stupid formula. Mm. And the willingness to be able to do that, I love that. That is, a, that is a great Curious Goods for this episode. I think my Curious Goods has got to be also Jack Marshak related. Oh. The difference, though, is that it's the, it's the spin to the serious to get business taken care of. Again, the magic of what they've written, haha, inside of the... <laughs> character of jack marshak is that he knows when the shit's about to hit the fan it's time to get to business even if the business is hokey magic business Mm -hmm. and i love that they're not afraid to just use it they they whip it out like a swiss army knife and you don't have to get by the wait a minute he's gonna he's gonna whip out some disappearing powder and we're supposed to buy that yeah you are yeah and you will and you don't have to worry about it the scene I'm referring to inside of this episode is when all hell is breaking loose and Jack's got to start with the devil horn hand shapes and then the cantations inside of the store. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. It's fitting. And if you and, I, you and or I were inside of a, a store in downtown Main Street in a city n- near us and we were at a party and the place started shaking and you and I saw some dude with a purple outfit and pointy hat on. Uh, give the devil horns and start doing his incantation, you and I know that that guy's probably ready for a rubber room. But not inside this series. Not inside this series. And I love that we can do that and just take that in. 
that's where only five episodes in this show has got us with all the people that lead this show. Mm. Because as much as we want to stomp on the terrible stagecraft inside of this episode, what we don't stomp on are any of the portrayals of the main three. No. In fact, no. even even Uncle Lewis. Uncle Lewis comes back and he provides a really great presentation of what was, please help me, I want to repent. Not really. Yeah. And it worked. It absolutely worked. And that's where we ask you guys, what was your curious good for this episode? Season 1, Episode 5... Halloween. Go to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Vocabulary. Ah, the magic included in the words for vocabulary inside this episode. The first one is... Amulet of Zohar. This was great, not just because it's utilizing the word amulet, which is the focused vocabulary word here. Right. But the concept of amulets are something that I remember from my old school days inside of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. An amulet is something that especially the folks that were taking uh, advantage of magic inside of any character sheet would whip out and use either for good or for bad. For those that are curious, an amulet's definition reads as, thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, a trinket or piece of jewelry usually hung about the neck and thought to be a magical protection against evil or disease. Hmm. Very, very interesting. And it, it conjures so many different memories that I remember either using it myself or needing to combat it back when I was a kid that they bring that in with the entire title of the Amulet of Zohar inside this episode was fun. I wasn't able to find anything on the internet that refers specifically to that. So probably just something made up for the episode. Probably. Yeah. For anyone that's watched anything inside of either a horror film or something that deals with devil tree or whatever else we're going to focus on. Diablery, maybe? Diablery, another great <laughs> vocabulary word. Uh, inside of this episode, we have pentacle, which, again, according to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, states, a star with five points formed by five straight lines between the vertices of a pentagon and enclosing another pentagon. So very interesting. Hmm. Uh, I don't think we're going to put any kind of a image gallery or anything inside of this episode well. for this. Uh, but uh, again, it was a word that you don't hear often, and so it's included inside of the vocabulary words well, in this episode. Well, it's also interesting because there's there's the pentacle, there's the pentagram, and and everything is a little bit different depending on the placement of where the points are mm -hmm. or the number mm -hmm. of points are actually on there. Imp. No, Nick wasn't having a bowel movement. He's saying the word imp. <laughs> Our friends over at visualthesaurus.com have imp listed as fairies that are somewhat mischievous or one who is playfully mischievous, which is exactly what we see inside of this episode. Uh, playfully mischievous. Well, yeah, is... even though she was referred to as a demon, you, you know, you, you, you get a little bored. You get a little bored saying the word demon over and over. <laughs> So, you know, you throw out another mythical-type creature. Not to mention the fact I, I, I spent the the weekend watching Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolarama, and they, oh. they fight an evil imp. Academy Award-winning. Awesome. Very, very mm -hmm. much so. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Awesome, Nick. Yeah. Glad you're spending your Check time. Check it out. 
craft craftily. That's awesome. That's where we ask you guys, what did you hear inside this episode? Season 1, Episode 5, Halloween, in regard to vocabulary words. Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side and tell us about your visits to vocabulary. Ah, Nick, the rating. During our reviews of this program, Friday the 13th, the series, this time Season 1, Episode 5, Halloween. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the scale. Two brutal sorcerers facing off with Van Halen playing triumphantly behind both. A 1? Any piece of the crappy stagecraft that you see inside of this episode. Free as a bird, but not a turkey. Everything starts as a 7 as an average, and the numbers go up with positives, the numbers go down with negatives, and Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I obviously had a lot more fun watching this episode than you did, Mike. That is definitely evident during the uh, the, the pre-gaming before podcasting. <laughs> now... I, I I will admit this was not this was not a great episode, but I have a feeling it should have been, and it could have been had maybe they had a little bit more money in the budget, mm. or maybe mm. they were willing to sacrifice some of the written story for what they could pull off. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it could have been better. It definitely should have been better especially since it's the return of Louis Vanderdee. I mean, the man who started all of this, the man the, the man responsible for the reason why this show has to exist. Mm-hmm. Mickey, Ryan, they have character growth in this episode. They actually get to confront a man that they've never met, mm-hmm. but who is responsible for the path that their life is on. Mm-hmm. And... I like the fact that they have to reflect on, wow, okay, so, yeah, we knew he was evil because he made a deal with the devil, but maybe he wasn't pure evil. Maybe he just did it because he was a stupid old man. And then it's, oh, oh, no, no, he he's pure evil. Screw this guy. We really have to make sure that we clean up his mess. It's even more important now that we clean up his mess because it wasn't just a man who made a mistake. This is an evil man. And I really do hope Uncle Lewis returns in more bigger and menacing fashions in the future as as the series progresses. You've got that good stuff there, but then you gotta take away you gotta take away the the cheesiness, the the overtly cheesiness of of some of the care the side characters and the situations in which our main characters are put in. You cannot deny that there was poor stagecraft in this episode. Whoever the set designer was was just not pulling their weight in this episode. So even though I had a really good time watching the episode, and it's a Halloween episode, so I always I, I I'm very drawn to Halloween episodes of TV shows because it's Halloween. I love Halloween. Mm. But besides all that, even though I wish I could give it a better rating. This is a five for me. One of the values of this program, especially as we get into episodes that I clearly have not seen. Like, mm. I, I have nothing 
I have nothing inside this episode that I go, oh, yeah, I remember this. Right. I don't have any of that inside this episode. Okay. That's what, again, inside the review, it makes me think that perhaps we're on a track where I may have just not seen any other episodes except maybe accidentally or uh-huh. while I was getting ready to fall asleep or something. I don't remember. Bottom line is that we're going to find out. Yeah. And what I'm hoping is that this is just kind of an anomaly because the other, the previous episodes that we've seen, which are only four, duh, but the four episodes that we've seen before this, all of them have much higher pinnacle value, especially when it comes to stagecraft. Mm-hmm. There's two or three, again, you'd mention the one with the monastery in it, and it is. I mean, it, they went someplace that was absolutely not just gorgeous, oh, but yeah. pristine. Yeah. It was the perfect place to film that episode. And they pulled it off wonderfully with, you know, bells and whistles. Awesome. This episode absolutely gets drugged down by the, especially the the last 60% of the episode, which is terrible stagecraft. Mm. What you also get is the, I understand the value of inserting a little person inside of this. I just, I didn't, I didn't find it all that menacing. It's like, can you just kick her or something? <laughs> can you wheel a cart into her head and she'll stop moving? Something? Can you try? Because that's the other thing, too. I, she the, put the whammy on Ryan and, and well, Mickey yes. quite a few times. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Is it important for you to not get whammied or not? And if I look at it from my perspective, I go, well, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat her on the head with something really, really hard, really, really fast, so she'll stop moving. And one of the things that drives me crazy about things inside of horror in general, mm. even the most inexperienced person in regard to combat, can pull out a lot of stops when the chips are down. Yeah. When when it hits the fan, and especially for anybody that's been inside of a life or death situation, not just the, oops, I got to get out of the way of a car, but someone that is looking at you and intends harm. Mm. If you've ever been in that position, there is a piece of you that you've either never experienced or you will unfortunately have to experience. And I don't see any of that in this. What I see is the colloquial, okay, people got to run. Eh. I, I, I absolutely hate that. There's so many things going on around them that are solution makers, whether it's just beating off this little woman who can put the hex on you, yes. Right. But you didn't even try. In, in every single scene towards the end of the episode, it literally is, okay, well, she's six and a half feet in front of you, still. <laughs> okay, I got it. I think I, I think I get it. And I don't want that. I, I'm looking for something specifically different. And maybe all of those little very colloquial elements of what you see inside of horror that were inserted into this episode mm-hmm. or maybe just a piece of what I don't I just don't care about horror like that because I'm telling you if if you and I inside of this studio were accosted by somebody that was trying to put the hex on me I'm going to reach over there's a there's a very heavy microphone about 2 feet from me and you know what I'm going to do I'm going to cave their dome with that microphone until I'm either got the hex on me or I cave in their head right and that I know that that's incredibly bloodlusty, but I, I just well, well no it's it, well it, it's, yeah it may be bloodlusty but but that should be the mentality. Yeah, Mickey and Ryan should have been grabbing weapons and trying to yeah. attack yeah. you know the, the the evil demon imp. The other piece that's in here, and this is probably the the largest misstep, is that the two of them, Ryan and Mickey, especially when they're being accosted by the demon the demon imp. They could be a tag team. They could be a team that then tries to get over on the imp. Mm-hmm. How much great storytelling and character development is that? Jack could have given them something that could have counteracted the whammy that the demon could have put on them and leveled the playing field. Yeah. 
and how, and that's how, that's one line of dialogue and handing a prop to somebody. Right, and th- this is the this is the pain of something like this, where you and I in the in the next forty five seconds are going to be able to come up with a solution that would have looked at least as interesting as what we get here. Mm-hmm. So what happens inside the episode? For those of you that don't dare to not go watch it, eventually the little imp trips and falls on a knife, and she's dead from a stab wound to the shoulder, and then poofs out of existence. Yeah. Okay, I call lame. How about this? They're doing all the scurrying around, running around, and Ryan goes and grabs off one of the one of the sheets that's over one of the dead bodies, thereby revealing yet another dead body. Awesome. Wow. Ooh. He whips over the other half of the other sheet. They actually run towards the imp, covering her with the sheet, and then somebody goes and grabs something heavy and just starts wailing on it. Yeah. And then what you see is some great stagecraft, and that they beat on it, and they beat on it, and they beat on it that third or fourth time, and what happens is... There's a billow of white smoke that spills out from each end of the each end of the sheet. The, the sheet and the sheet drops. And, right, and and then they lift the sheet up and she's gone. Poof! You've there, we've the just written yeah. a, a better, different ending that has nothing to do with chasing, has everything to do with living on, fostering teamwork, and making a better story. Yeah, those are the things that I want to see inside of a series like this, especially when it's not heavy effects laden. Considering all that, I actually dropped down my score from your five to a four. Ooh. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season one, episode five, Halloween. Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. The Amulet of Zohar was an incredibly powerful element inside this episode, but thankfully, it's in the vault. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Thank this you for allowing could, me. This to is speak. where you could you could t- <laughs> you could jump in at any time, man. <laughs> I can't. I'm too busy being impressed by words like imp. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, it just came to me. <laughs> awesome! Wow, what a great trick, Jack. Oh, by the way, there's the cops. Uh, All right. Is this your bosom companion? <laughs> yes. Awesome. It it is great magic. It's great magic as are the breasts. Very well done. No.
I just want your matter of course no inside no! of the, the history of our capturing the episodes. Just, just stop, You're so Mike. friendly. How do how do I how do I continue on this project with you being so friendly? No. Thank you you want to end it like that? Sure, why not? <laughs> Insert the tone. <laughs>